podcasting from the UTSA Business Building CEO Incubator, this is the University of Texas at San Antonio Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization Podcast, a weekly show that interviews fellow student entrepreneurs, professors, and other special guests to help inspire and motivate young entrepreneurs. And now, your hosts, founder of Sitka, Eduardo Guillen, and co-founder of Chiron, William Baldridge. Hi there, welcome to the second episode of the UTSA CEO podcast. Today's episode is really special. We have Professor Utech. He is a professor of marketing here at UTSA. He's going to be answering some really valuable questions. Um, some of the questions that are being asked are what are the differences that he sees in marketing 20 years ago from today? What does it mean to have a college degree and the importance of building your own philosophy in your field? What is the marketing taxonomy? Uh, that's going to be a broad view for those of you who have taken this course. They know very well the marketing taxonomy. As far as self-development questions, and I think he answers a really, really valuable question, is how to find your passion and finding a career. Um, he gives really solid advice on that question that I would really, really highly recommend listening to. And at the end, I'm going to ask him three simple truths to life. Um, I think he he nailed it on the head as far as that one as well. Um, it was just a really special treat to have Professor Utech on board. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys take a lot of value from it. And if you would want to, go ahead and take his course, any of his courses. Um, he's really, really good professor and I highly recommend. So tell us uh, your name and your background and what you do at UTSA. Uh, Richard Lee Utech. I'm a marketing professor at UTSA. I've been here 29 years. Okay, and what do you teach? I teach retailing, advertising, principles of marketing, and then I train the doctoral students in the College of Business for their first teaching experience. Okay, and what's some of the differences that you've seen from marketing as far as in the past 20 years to today? Oh, the differences I've seen that are significant are the uh, changes in international and the uh, social media and all the online virtual retailing. Particularly with retailing, I see it a lot with Amazon and how they've affected your traditional retailers and put a lot of them out of business. Uh, what opportunities do you think students graduating soon have that that wasn't there prior to let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago? Well, if you think about a college degree, what we're trying to do is not teach you what to think, but how to think and develop critical thinking skills where, um, look, 15, 20 years ago, we didn't know Facebook was going to be a thing or that was going to exist or that you needed those skills. But if you can develop the analytical skills to be able to um, operate in those environments, that's what the college degree is all about, to be able to think for yourself, take in facts, material, and um, come to your own conclusions. So uh, in my classes, I've got two learning objectives that a lot of people don't understand. And it took me a long time to come up with these learning objectives. And I, it, it started with when I learned my field. I attended a uh, national teaching conference back in the 90s. And the director of the Teaching Learning Center, 
uh, that uh, was a uh, wonderful, um, she was a chemistry professor by trade, but she teaching learning centers at universities are for faculty development and help them with their teaching skills. And since I was assigned that teaching class and I was on the advisory panel for the teaching learning center here, they sent me to these conferences. And it was enlightening to see these people that were so passionate about the field. And I thought, well, I take my job very seriously, but these people were like over the top passionate. And I was like, whoa. Well, there's a room full of college professors. And she goes, and they're all business professors. She goes, when did you learn your field? No, they were all different, different disciplines. When did you learn your field? When you got your bachelor's degree? Nobody raised their hand. When you got your master's degree? Nobody raised their hand. When you got your PhD? Nobody raised their hand. When you started teaching it, they all raised their hand. You really don't learn your field until you start teaching it. And I found that was true with me as well. And so I want my students to learn from like my mistakes because college is hurry up and cram, hurry up and cram, and it's basically testing people on short-term short memorization. And I don't want them doing that. What I want them to do is develop, we need a point of departure, and that's a, uh, a toolbox, or I call it in my class, a taxonomy of the field. So you know all the, all the moving parts, uh, the pieces that you need, uh, the tools that you need, and, and you need to organize them, logical partitioning, so that you can, you can reconcile different stimuli when you come across it. For example, um, um, if I gave you a bunch of parts and it's a bicycle, you might have a bunch of parts but not know it's a bicycle. Right. Whereas another student can build a bicycle, another one can build a bicycle that's like really fast. So logical partitioning is enables you to reconcile a fairly nebulous discipline like marketing, management. I mean, there's six different leadership styles of management. Who's to say what's right? Okay, uh, and in marketing. 50% of all our advertising is effective. The problem is you don't know which 50% it's going to be. So it's a blend of art and science. And when you look at it from that perspective, you need to be able to organize uh, the, the material in, in, a, in, a, in a linear way. Okay. So once I got them there so that they know their taxonomy, they know the tools, they know what their classes are, then I want them to conceptualize the discipline and develop a philosophy of the discipline. And, and not think of marketing the way I do because there's a 40-year age gap. I want them to think of marketing from, I'm talking to a student in my office today, and she's got all this stuff on social media and online presence, and she's over my head. But I know she knows it. And then she self-teaches her stuff, she self-taught her stuff, things on website development <coughs> and uh, the graphics and, and all that. And um, yeah, for uh, somebody that's a little bit older that doesn't know that stuff, these are the types of skills that, that you need to come out with. And how do you couch that in the overall spectrum of what, what a marketing mix is? So her conceptualization and her philosophy of the disciplines can be similar but different from mine. And that's my goal. And, and each, each industry is gonna have their differences. So um, that's what I think is important. Make you independent, think on your own feet, and have a philosophy of your discipline. You'll find less freedom of thought in, say, accounting, or I had some cybersecurity students in here, where they have uh, more structure. Mm -hmm. When you have more freedom uh, and different ways to make something work, that's where your philosophy of the discipline comes in. So all I've done is not magic. It's just basically, it's, it's a generic marketing mix. But 
if I if I ask somebody that took principles of marketing, what do you remember from marketing? They're just going to look at you, and blankly, do you remember this or this? They remember bits and pieces. So, in all of my classes, my upper level classes, uh, I build a marketing mix, which is basically a um, framework of principles of marketing as a point of departure. Get everybody on the same page. These are all the tools of marketing. These are all the uh, and I use the analogy of a mental filing cabinet. And it's easy that way because you can jump around in all the different areas. You open one drawer, close it, add some things. Open another drawer, close it, add some things. And it's something that they can... Analogies and metaphors are tremendous teaching tools to convey abstract material because a student can visualize it. They can all visualize a, a filing cabinet. I actually had a student make me a filing cabinet and uh, have all the drawers with... Uh, examples inside each one. Sometimes I bring that to class as a prop even. But um, once they do that, then you need to build something called neural redundancy. And that's time on task. That's why accountants are successful because they work problems constantly, all the time, all the time. The cyber students are in the lab all the time, all the time, all the time. The more familiar you get with something, the more you start to look at it from a different perspective. I want them to deconstruct and reconstruct this taxonomy and then they start adding things to it from their own uh, inductive experiences at work. I have a student that's worked at the snake farm for crying out loud and uh, she could apply the taxonomy in every drawer. I, I know right now that she could take every drawer of that taxonomy and apply it to how they use it at the snake farm and misuse it or have a missed opportunity. Um, okay, this taxonomy is nothing magic. It's You've probably heard of the marketing mix. That's called the four P's, product, place, price, promotion. This is just an expansion of those. But everything in marketing starts with something called marketing research. If you think about marketing research, um, it's part of how you, you you plan your work. Based on what you discover there, you plan your work. Okay. Um, think of marketing research as the eyes and ears of the company. I mean, technically, it's the systematic collection of data through primary and secondary um, uh, data collection through uh, observation, experimentation, and survey, adhering to the scientific method to ensure validity and reliability to reduce executive risk and decisions of uncertainty. Whew. What's that mean? The eyes and ears of the company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then you want to get inside the consumer's head. So the second element of this taxonomy is consumer behavior. And here you want to find out the, um, um, the mother load is the evaluative criteria or the product features or benefits the consumer's looking for. And if you can strike that, man, then you know what to build into the product. Okay, the next thing is product adjustment. This include, includes R&D and product management. But you've got something called the extended definition of the product, which is the package design, an overlooked feature that communicates value, uh, what you're going to put on the package design, the price communicates value, how you um, uh, position it, what's the brand equity, all those things come into play. So you're looking at a bundle of utility. Next, after we've decided on that, we've got something that the consumer wants. Remember, you start with the consumer, end with the consumer. Marketing is a consumer-centric philosophy. You don't have to practice marketing to be successful. You can be sales-oriented, you can be product-oriented, but it's a competitive strategy. It starts with the consumer. Um, then you deliver it. But you want to synchronize, so the fourth element, you want to synchronize with your um, telling them about it. And that's called promotion. Promotion is how the, uh, the firm communicates to the customers. The customers communicate to uh, the company in drawers one and two, and the company communicates back in drawer five. And this includes your promotional mix. Your promotional mix is advertising, personal selling, sales promotion, PR, publicity, direct response. And you have your eight major media that does that. 
and then we need to facilitate the exchange. So the sixth element is retailing, where we actually trade your bundle of utility, the money, for their bundle of utility, the product. Look at all the work you have to do before you get to that exchange. That's what marketing is all about, and people don't realize it. They think it's just selling. Selling is a byproduct of doing all these early marketing things uh, from research, understanding your customers, to R&D. I mean, wow. Okay, then you, you make the exchange, uh, you sell your product, and marketing ends there. Nope. Then you have to engage in post-transaction activities to make sure they're happy. Because marketing is not about selling a product, it's about building a relationship. You build relationships by providing satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. And each product line has that marketing mix, that one through seven. Now, some students are going to say, what about drawer eight? And drawer eight is upper management watching all the implementation of the individual companies or product lines or SBUs. And that's it in a nutshell. I'm going to ask you two more questions. Okay. Second question is more on a personal note. I think as a college student and during this adolescent age, like the young age, it's kind of hard to find a passion or to find a direction. That's what, that's um, unfortunately what society is about, asking you to make decisions yeah. early in life when you don't know what's out there. So, and then I, I think it's pretty obvious that anyone that has taught with you or has been in one of your classes is that you're genuinely passionate for what you do, and with your experience as far as seeing, you know, students graduate, how what advice would you give to help find to help students find that direction and that passion? Because obviously you found it, and you've seen other students possibly succeed in that. So, what direction or what advice can you give them? If you don't know what you want to do, and ninety percent of the students don't, they just know they want to get a job and make some money. If you don't know what you want to do. Get internships in different fields. Think of internships as the buffet table of careers. Get And when you find an internship you like, that's good. Now you know about that field, get a different one. Because uh, you got five benefits to an internship. You get professional experience in your resume. That's great. You can get three hours elective credit. Well, that's great. You might get paid. What? You'd work someplace for free? Yeah, if you want to go into advertising, they're not going to pay you. But if you don't get an internship, you'll never get a job. Uh, fourth benefit of an internship, it can lead to a full-time offer. That's a satisfying feeling for a graduating senior having a job waiting for you. While all your peers are running around learning how to tie a tie and running over to career services, you got a job waiting for you. Why? Because you did an internship. And the fifth one is the most important reason for an internship. It can tell you what you don't want to do. If you fixated on something your whole time and you thought, I want to work here, I want to work here, and then you get a taste of working there, it either is going to solidify that decision and you know you did the right thing or it's going to tell you what was I thinking and that's the value of an internship so young people need to see these different fields because the true the true measure of success is not how much money you make it's job satisfaction on Sunday nights if you're not in a bad mood dreading about Monday you made a good career choice okay and the last question it's um Kind of borrowing it from another podcast, it's called Three Simple Truths. If, if you were to hand down three simple truths and it was just brass tacks, this is the only three pieces of truth you can pass on, what would it be? How about four? Four. Okay. Do we live in a judgmental society? Yes. Yeah. People are going to judge you, uh, form opinions on you based on four basic things. Your appearance, and that means dressing appropriately for the corporate culture, all right? Mm -hmm. Your behavior, 
what you say, and how you say it. If you remember those four basic things, you're going to have a smoother professional and domestic existence. Trust me on that. Okay, that's it. Any uh, final words? People don't always remember what you say. They don't always remember what you do. They never forget the way you made them feel. And that's Maya Angelou. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Professor. All right. Thank you.